With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you trying to connect with your path in life? Do you have a hard time trusting your gut? Do you wonder why you keep attracting the same type of relationship energy? Do you wonder what intuition is and how it works? Get ready for the Elise Intuition Radio Show, hosted by Dr. Elise Holland. This globally syndicated radio show is empowering you to transform your life by connecting with your higher self through intuition, meditation, and mindfulness in all areas of your life. Coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio, this hit show is tailor-made to help you realize your full potential through body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Elise brings her knowledge, experience, and sense of humor to each show while introducing you to guests from all over the world who are experts in the fields of spirituality, energy healing, holistic wellness, alternative medicine, and nutrition. Call in with your questions or share some of your own experiences in connection with your intuition and emotional healing. The Elise Intuition Radio Show starts now. Here's your host, Dr. Elise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Elise Intuition Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Elise, and I help people heal their emotional bodies connect to their intuition and discover their life purpose through intuitive life coaching and flower essence. Our spiritual healing and wellness center is dedicated to helping individuals realize their full potential through their body, mind, and spirit by providing spiritual education, guidance, healing, and transformation through various digital platforms. You can find us at www. EliseHealingCenter.com. Today, we have Lisa here to discuss with us about alcoholism and recovery, you know, what it takes to have sobriety and keep it. But before we get into the show, let me share a little bit more about Lisa with you. Lisa is an expert in recognizing the early symptoms of alcoholism. She is the award-winning author of Raising the Bottom, Making Mindful Choices in a Drinking Culture. It's the book that some are calling the big book for women, but men have found help as well. From personal experience, Lisa can discuss why she quit. Lisa Boucher is the author of Raising the Bottom, Making Mindful Choices in a Drinking Culture, an award-winning book that won the 2017 Best Book Awards in the category of women's health and placed as a finalist in the category of addiction and recovery. She is also a speaker. After short stints where she trained polo horses, worked as a flight attendant, hairdresser, and bartender, she realized that the time to implement serious change had arrived. She gave up drinking, revamped her life, and settled in as a registered nurse where living a life in recovery became her way. For the past 28 years, Lisa has worked with hundreds of women to overcome alcoholism, live better lives, and become better parents. 
She was prompt to write Raising the Bottom, where after 24 years of working in hospitals, she realized that doctors in traditional health care offer few solutions to women with addiction issues. She is dedicated to not only help women recover from alcoholism, but has extended her reach to educate and help corporations deal with the growing addiction problem that has permeated every sphere of American life. As author of five books, she holds a BA in English and is the mother of twin sons. She currently resides in Ohio with her husband. You can follow Lisa on Facebook, Raising the Bottom, where she shares inspirational daily. And you can also go there and read her blog where she just keeps it real when talking about the drinking culture and how, as a society, we have normalized it, the abnormal drinking. So on that note, let's welcome Lisa to the Elise Intuition Radio Show. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Elise? Just fine. Oh, my gosh. Anytime we have guests on our show, we always like to ask about your intuition. So at what point did your intuition kick in? And during this time in your life, what did it tell you? My intuition? I have a very strong intuition. I almost feel like Mm -hmm. I'm psychic to be honest with you, because Mm -hmm. there's so many things, like I've had dreams that end up coming true. I've had intuitive thoughts to do go a certain path, and I end up going that path, and it works out. Or I've had intuitions of, well, even like what's my life work that I'm doing now, I just intuitively knew at a, in my late 20s that it was time to get sober. Nobody really does that without having mm-hmm. a lot of things happen in their life to point to that as being the issue. But I just knew in my gut that if I didn't address things when I did that it it would not end well for me down the road and I just decided to save my year myself I say years of self-manufactured hell and listen to my gut so I am a firm believer on following our intuitive self I believe we all have that gift but we can smother it with self-doubt. We can smother it with not tuning into a spiritual connection and then not listening. So for me, I think it's a very powerful way to live and listen to our gut, I guess, or the small voice within. Okay. So why do you think that alcoholism has become normalized? Is this attributed to the drinking culture? Um, Absolutely. It's the drinking culture. It's people being unwilling to, it's so easy to blame. So many people, these are running around, they're anxious, they're depressed. That's all you hear. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. But they refuse to look at often what the root cause of anxiety, depression, failed relationships. And a lot of times it is the alcohol and or drug use and or prescription drug use that is getting out of control. But people don't want to look there because then they have to do something. 
we have we can't mm-hmm. change unless we're willing to cooperate with ourselves and change is hard. I mean, any of us who's ever been mm-hmm. on a diet or tried to quit smoking, it's hard. It is really hard. So it's much easier to blame our dissatisfactions and whatnot on everything else but the alcohol. And then look at our society. I mean, there is alcohol companies spend $2 billion last year alone in the United States to push alcohol on us. And they're doing a very good job of having people believe that in order to have fun in life, fun is like this catchword that you have to have invite alcohol along. And so people actually believe it and buy into it. And everything revolves around alcohol, but nobody's really looking at the lives that are falling apart on the backside of that or the dissatisfaction that is bred from a boozy life. And then people run to the doctor to get um, medication for their depression as opposed to looking at the alcohol. So it's a cyclical problem. Mm-hmm. So, in your own words, how is childhood considered the birthplace of addiction? Well, okay, for myself, you grow up in this crazy environment, and I had an alcoholic mother. I had a rageaholic father. So my siblings, there was, I have three other siblings, we always were scared. So you feel this fear. This is like a predominant emotion for many kids that have trauma in their histories. They're scared. This is where addiction breeds in so many of us, whether it be kids who have had um, a history of abuse in their life or children who have had parents that are drinking heavily and kids really, you grow up not knowing what to expect and all of these things that we internalize because you just never know what's going to happen, the uncertainty, the fear. So for many, many people, addiction starts in childhood. And I know Dr. Folletti did a study on adverse childhood experiences. It was called the ACE study. And so they found that children who were traumatized in any kind of way, be it physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, neglect, by having maybe a boozy parents, maybe you're growing up, and I've seen a lot of this with people that I just know and kids that I've helped along the way, that they grow up in very affluent backgrounds, very affluent homes, but the parents are really neglecting them because they're so busy with their alcohol, their social life, their high-power job. These kids are floundering, and nobody's paying attention to them. So these kids end up finding substances at a young age, like I did at 12 years old when I had my first drink, and then we realize, wow, I don't feel so scared anymore. I feel different, and this is how addiction happens for many of us, and I was talking to a friend not that long ago who got out of rehab for her alcohol addiction, and she said, you know, we were talking about childhood trauma and how there's such a strong link to addiction, and she was saying the same thing, that in that rehab, she said as they went around the circle in one of their groups, there was only one person out of like 30 people who did not have some form of childhood trauma. 
So mm-hmm. we have to look at as parents and provide a loving, safe, nurturing environment for our children. This can help reduce addiction. It's not going to cure it because I also know people who were raised in, in loving environments and whatnot, and they still turn to addiction. But overwhelmingly, people who have addiction problems will also, you'll find, have some sort of adverse childhood experience that happened to them. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just what, last month we, you know, I know of a few close um, friends who were in their 30s, 40s, raised from a good family. Um, Some of them were medical doctors. Some of them were, you know, come from a very well-put-together family, so to speak, and died of an opiate overdose you know, and later found out that there was more than one substance. So I I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. Yes, there are no demographics. So people tend to think, oh, well, you know, they, we, we, it's our culture. We look at the outside. We, we judge and measure mm-hmm. people by how they look, how they dress. And it's such a farce because people can, you know, when I got sober, I still looked good on the outside, but I was falling apart on the inside, disintegrating internally. So that is Mm -hmm. not a good measure of who is doing well and who is not by, like you said, I mean, many, and and doctors especially, um, they have a very high addiction rate, especially nurse anesthetists and anesthesiologists. And I'm also a registered nurse. There are a lot of medical people that have addiction issues and fly under the radar, and they're still out there working. And so I do tell people, mm-hmm. if you want help, stop going to the doctor, because a lot of times the doctors have as big an uh, addiction issue as you do, and they're just not able to help in a meaningful way. And what they do is they prescribe more drugs for people, and it doesn't really address the underlying substance abuse. Wow. So what are some key reasons why parents don't role model what they want for their children? Um, Okay, this might hurt a lot of people, but I'm just going to put it out there. Selfishness. Mm -hmm. Selfishness is key. Mm -hmm. People are are selfish, and they want to do what they want to do. And they want to drink when they want to drink. Let's let's just look at a few examples I'm talking about, Lise. You go anymore to a child's birthday party, I'm talking toddler, baby, and it's all about the parents. It's all about their wine and beer. You're really hard-pressed to find cupcakes and balloons because it's all about the mommy and daddy party. So when did we Mm -hmm. become such a selfish culture? When did it become okay? I was on another radio show talking to the host, and she said – and, and she's not the first person I've heard say this. Her and her husband went to one of the microbreweries that are popping up everywhere. And she said it was stunning mm-hmm. in, in a not a good way that she went out for a night with her husband. And there's all these parents with their kids running around, toddlers. So when did parents get so selfish that they had to 
drink while they with their kids. That that's sort of new to this generation. I know with an alcoholic mother, she at least tried to hide her alcoholism somewhat. Where now it's front and centered. It's so normalized, and the bar is lowered so low. In what what world is it okay to go drink and then load your babies in the car and drive home? I just don't even understand it. Even when I was drinking, I, I hope I wouldn't condone something like that because it doesn't make any sense on any kind of level. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing. And I, I, there was another young lady I was talking to on Twitter. She lives up in Canada, and she said she's a young mom. And she said, if you say anything to anybody, the anger that comes back, and I don't know what she's talking about. People get very angry. And that's a good sign that you have a problem with alcohol because if you get angry over that, you don't want to look at it. A normal social drinker, number one, would not try to mix alcohol and child rearing. They would save their drinking for their adult nights or when their children are in bed or whatever, but they would not take them to breweries and sit there and sloshing back the cocktails and driving the kids and then get angry when somebody points it out. And this is kind of where we are. And as this young woman in Canada said, she said, you know, what she hears is people tell her, just deal with it. It's the way it is. It's not that big of a deal. Just get over it. And sadly, this is where we are in a a global. I mean, this is not just in Canada. Canada, um, their stats are like, oh, God, really alarming. There's 20% of people have alcohol problems, or maybe they're not full-blown alcoholics, but problem drinking or alcohol misuse or abuse. And here in the the United States, uh, it's 10%. So we're a population of 320 million people. That's 32 million people with with addiction issues. So the numbers Mm -hmm, are staggering, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are under the radar because, and that's why in my book, In Raising the Bottom, I focus most on people that were functional alcoholics, people that were doctors and nurses and moms and jewelry makers. And one woman had a jewelry store and and she ended up losing the store and ran it into the ground because she was, all those martini lunches caught up with her. Um, And so I, I have stories from other people in the book because this is what's happening and this is what's going on, but nobody is really addressing that. Everybody thinks that unless you're this man under the bridge or woman under the bridge and you've lost it all that you can't have a problem and that's just simply not true you can be a functional person who goes to work every day and you come home and you start drinking and there's many many people like that out there wow so it's almost like everyone is so focused on the opiate crisis versus looking at alcoholism because it's legal (laughs) Right. You're exactly right. And this is what's really sad. I mean, alcohol is still the most widely abused drug. Last year, 88,000 people died from alcohol and 72,000 from the opioid epidemic. So why is there only this focus on the opioids? And I think it's because the bodies were piling up in the morgue from the opioid epidemic. So it was very in your face. And I live in Montgomery County, which was the epicenter 
of the opioid mm-hmm. epidemic. And I remember the uh, coroner and the articles just bombarding in the newspaper about the, the bodies piling up. So we had that, and all of a sudden everybody bolted into action. However, we have just as many people dying from alcohol, but it looks very different. It's the motor vehicle accidents. It's the the people pouring into emergency rooms all over the country, all over the world with liver disease, esophageal varices, heart problems, cancer. There are seven cancers that are caused by alcohol. However, their deaths are never really attributed to alcohol. They're They're attributed to the person who dies of cirrhosis. They go, oh, they had liver failure. So this is how it's mass in a way that I guess is more palpable for people to digest and not become alarmed, perhaps. Wow. Thank you so much. I mean, your perspective means a lot to our audience because you do have that medical background and you do have that experience of, you know, what it is to take a a drink here and there and so forth. So thank you so much for being honest with us. Yes, well, I mean, I just, I I think we need to get it out there, the truth out there. And, you know, people are helped by hearing other stories, by knowing that there is help out there. You don't have to be ashamed. It is, everybody is like when you decide to quit drinking, you always think, oh, I'll never have any fun anymore and I'll never do this. And truly, my life began when I got sober. I mean, I have a wonderful life and it's full and it's rich, and I'm just grateful that, you know, I didn't find my writing gift until I started, um, until I got sober. So there's a lot of, of brilliance and talents that are not being realized, because I know when I was drinking, it, it takes up a lot of time between going to work and then coming home and thinking about what you're going to drink and where you're going to go and who you're going to drink with, and it all seems fun, but actually it's a colossal waste of time. So I just encourage everyone to rethink the drinks. And if your life is really all about the the booze, give sobriety a chance. I don't think you'll ever regret it. But I know many, many people who have regretted waiting so long. And it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes to see their angst Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the businesses they never started or the children that are now adults that they missed their whole childhood because they weren't really present. They were so preoccupied with their own issues and and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. it's never too soon to rethink the drink. Okay. So what do you mean by doctors help perpetuate addiction by misdiagnosing? What is that all about? Well, okay. So this is what I see because I still, I've worked in emergency rooms and psych wards and I still am there a couple of days a week. So I'm giving you real time info, but here's what I'm seeing. And it's not much has changed. This is what happened to my mother back in the sixties. Okay. She was drinking. She started her addiction with benzodiazepines, Valium, Ativan, Xanax, Clonopin, those kinds of drugs. Benzos are a disaster. So many people, what happens is they come, like I was alluding to earlier, they complain of depression. They come to the doctor or the psych ward because now they're suicidal or they're so depressed or whatnot. And the doctors, instead of saying and asking more about their alcohol 
use and then addressing that, they throw antidepressants or even antipsychotics like Seroquel and Abilify on these people. And in every case, almost, they get worse and worse and worse. The only people that are going to be helped by those sorts of antipsychotics are people who are truly psychotic. And I know the pharmaceutical industry tells you different, that they can be used for depression and this, that, and the other. But I'm just telling you from my experience, I have not seen people do well on those drugs. I've seen them come back to the hospital over and over again, more depressed, more suicidal, and their life continues to spiral out of control. And far too often there are children on the backside who are suffering like myself and my siblings suffered when my mother was going down that route. And she went to psychiatrists and the psych ward and doctors and all over the place trying to get help. And they just kept throwing more pills at her and telling her that she was manic depressive and bipolar and all this nonsense. And finally, my mother had an accident that I talk about in the book. And when she finally found a physician who decided, diagnosed her accurately and said, you're an alcoholic, rehab for you. My mother went to rehab and she never looked back. She died with 30 solid years of sobriety. She never took another pill other than for her high blood pressure. So all of those doctors for 25 years were wrong. All of them. How have wow. so many doctors for so many years all been wrong? And I'm here to tell you, Elise, sadly, nothing has changed because I see doctors misdiagnose every single day. And the reason I know that is because a lot of times these people end up in recovery rooms where I am and they tell me and I see them or I recognize them and they say, yep. I used to tell the doctor, so there's a big con game on going with the people, too, because a lot of people want the doctors to diagnose them so that they don't have to really address their addiction. And they know that. I've had many people in recovery that say, you know, I did that for 10 years, scammed the doctors and made up all these symptoms. And, you know, I mean, Google is not all that great sometimes. So, I mean, it works both ways. People do lie to the doctors, in all honesty. Um, but a lot of times the doctors just continue to, to, you know, misdiagnose and medicate, and they've got a customer who keeps coming back. So it's just a really sad thing, and, and it's happening every day, I can assure you. Wow. Well, you've given us some pearls of wisdom already about, you know, how to get support with uh, alcoholic addiction or any addiction for that matter. But what are some more pearls of wisdom that you would like to share with anyone who is looking for support with their addiction? Well, I would just really encourage them to seek out other people in recovery. Everybody knows someone who's in recovery, and I think they can be a great resource. I know I use the 12 steps. That has been magical for me and has worked for, like I said, 30 years. Um, There are other ways to get sober. I'm not familiar. I'm familiar with them, but I feel like whatever way you get sober, if it doesn't enable you to change and learn new coping skills and find a more spiritual life, it's probably not going to be a lasting way. 
So mm-hmm. medications, quick fixes, it's a behavioral. And so you have to really want to change in order to get sober. So I would say, number one, reach out to someone that you know. Be leery of the doctors and their medication because that is often not at all helpful and creates a worse problem. I would say absolutely if you have an alcohol problem, do not allow anyone to prescribe you benzos because now you're just adding a new addiction. Everybody gets addicted to benzos when they take them for any length of time. And the, and the pharmaceutical industry probably um, concocted them to be that way. They want you to be their customer. So you have to be honest. And I said that the ingredient that's changed my life was I decided to be honest with myself about my drinking, and I decided to change. So I needed help to do that, and then I went to a 12-step recovery program. So the the big pearl of wisdom is is self-honesty. That can be life-changing. Wow. So thank you so much. Like, I am lost for words. You have definitely educated me about some things that have been going on in the medical industry and, you know, how people – try to support their addiction and how they can fix their addiction. Oh my gosh, you are a wealth of resources. Thank you so much, Lisa. Well, I'm I'm really happy to share and just, I mean, final point, there are no quick fixes. So if people try to tell someone, oh, here, this will do it. No, there are no quick fixes. It's, It's a lot of work, but I've never met anybody who's done it, who regrets it. Like I said, it's, it's life changing. Okay, so how can our audience get in touch with you to, if they're interested in signing up for one of your programs or having you to come speak or just to see what you have to offer to support them? Yes, I'm happy to come speak. Um, I'm at my website, RaisingTheBottom.com. I'm on, on Facebook at Lisa Boucher, award-winning author, and I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Raising the Bottom. So you should be able to find me um, on one of the social medias, and please do reach out. I'm happy to come speak. I'm happy to – I know a lot of people message me on Facebook. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer those free of charge. I just am here to be a resource for those in need. Okay, thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to share with us before we go to break? I don't think so. I appreciate your time and for having me on your show. Thank you so much, Lisa Boucher. It's been a pleasure, and you are definitely a friend of the Elise Intuition Radio Show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, you too. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will share messages from the angels and spirits. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. In today's global economy, tutoring is beginning to get the respect and recognition it deserves. Tutoring can be a rewarding field for stay-at-home moms, retired workers, and people with technical skills. Due to budget cuts, high teacher-student ratios, and the No Child Left Behind NCLB Act, It's also an area that is booming for classroom teachers, whether they want to try tutoring in the classroom or start their own private tutoring practice. With these type of tutoring opportunities, it is crucial to have a blueprint to follow 
so that individuals can start out with good information and build a reputation as an educator that delivers data-driven results. In the number one source for tutors and tutor business owners, Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring, tutor consultant, Dr. Holland delivers her field-tested advice so that you can find your tutoring niche and predict your chances for success as a tutor, market your tutoring practice to attract clients, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's tutoring framework for effective tutoring sessions, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's in-class tutoring method, conduct tutoring consultations and master tutoring interviews, determine the type of tutor in which you'll need to be for clients, accurately track your client's progress, acquire know-how for starting and managing your tutoring practice, and dozens of other strategies you will need to be successful in the tutoring industry. Take a data-driven approach to either tutoring in the classroom or building your tutoring practice to help your clients. By putting new strategies and proven methods in your toolkit, you'll quickly find the path that leads to becoming a better tutor. You can get your copy of Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring on Amazon.com or submit your book order at orders at iglobaleducation.com. In today's global society, parents are realizing that their children must get a quality education so they are taking charge of their own child's learning needs. It doesn't matter whether children are attending schools or being homeschooled, they still have continued support when they are working on their studies at home. Similarly, children who are being homeschooled have the same options available to them too. Parents may opt to seeking tutoring services to supplement their child's homeschooled educational program. Any parent that has the desire to work with their children at home should have good information about how to strategically help him or her reap the benefits of using a data-driven approach to learning at home. In 2001, the United States Congress passed the bipartisan No Child Left Behind NCLB Act that promised high standards, accountability, more choices for parents, and research-based methods of instruction. Parents are realizing they truly have control of their children's education, and many options are available to them. Written by an educator and mom who has been a longtime tutor, this book will take you on a journey in which you will discover more about your child and yourself. Once you get to know your child academically, you'll learn how to choose the right learning environment for your child, select a curriculum for your child, plan your child's lessons, supplement your child's curriculum, access your child's progress, keep track and report your child's grades to him or her and the school, and find professional development opportunities for parents who want to help their child. Take a data-driven approach to helping your child at home. By using these strategies at home with your child, you'll experience a significant increase in your child's academic achievement and prepare your child for future global opportunities. You can get your copy of 8 Steps to Helping Your Child in School, The Parent's Guide to Working with Your Child at Home, Strategies to Improve Your Child's Academic Skills on Amazon.com, or submit your book order at orders at iglobaleducation.com. We're back on the Elise Intuition Radio Show with Dr. Elise. While we were on break, I intuitively selected postcards from the spirit using Colette Barron Reed system. I've also received intuitive messages in from the spirit as well as the angels. And a couple of numbers have popped up, guys. So let me share those with you. 
Here's Jill. There are times when loss is a part of life. Sometimes a loss is welcome. Like when you leave a situation not in alignment with your highest good, sometimes a loss is sudden and painful, like when a loved one crosses over to our dimension. Regardless of the nature of the loss and your control over it, your experience is asking to be acknowledged. Tears are necessary, as is grief. When you repress the natural expression of loss and try to move on too quickly, the unprocessed pain haunts you in destructive, in destructive ways. We don't want that for you. Instead, let your heart break open wide. Feel the loss and integrate it. See the beauty that was, the lessons learned, and know that as you let go of what has passed, even more of you remain. It gets better, we promise. Your heart expands with more compassion for the world than ever before. Love heals all. We are loving you, sending you love always and forever. When I see this, guys, you know, for many of you, you know, you you may have uh, experienced a loved one that may have passed over to the next dimension um, a little sooner than what you may have anticipated, or, you know, loss could even be, you know, maybe a loss of your identity um, for a certain season due to whatever you may have been engaged in. For some of you, you may have experienced material loss, um, including a job loss. Um, But what the Spirit is showing me here is, you know, the number 33 came up, and typically when the number 33 comes up, it deals with communication. Whatever you need to communicate, whether it's, you know, a love letter to yourself or communication or speaking clearly or speaking your truth, You are being called to do that. It's not a time for you to hold things in. Now, the spirit is not saying to, you know, speak with negativity or anything of that nature, but speak your truth from a place of integrity, knowing that whatever you have to say, it it may heal others. It may be whoever this audience you need to communicate this information to will heal. It may be that you may need to just do this for your own healing. So, you know, you're being called to communicate. Don't hold whatever this is in. Archangel Michael is asking you to have confidence, okay? And there's a prayer that can help you with that. Archangel Michael, please lend me your courage and fortitude. Help me realize that I am one with all that is divine, wisdom, strength, love, creativity, abundance, and health. Allow me to feel confident and peaceful about myself in all ways. So two messages I did get in from the angels are let your past go. The burden of curting your past around has made you worry. Dear one, it's time to set this burden down. Keep only the lessons and the love and leave everything else behind. You don't want it or need it, and it's now gone. So, you know, 
this has a lot to do with whatever this is in your life that, that has been lost. You know, let it go. Remember the past the way that it was without making it look good or without making it look bad. Honor it. Respect the past is what the spirit is calling you to do. The second message that came in from the angels, the words were, ground yourself. When you detach from awareness of your body in the physical world, you become ungrounded. Although it's pleasant to float heavenward, heavenward, your attention and work are needed upon the earth. We are helping you balance the spiritual and material so that you can enjoy a fulfilling earthly life. So, again, whatever this is that I'm seeing that's related to your past, whether it's a job, whether it's a person, place, or thing, or idea, you need to let it go. It's time for you to move forward and allow the spirit to heal you and really allow you to respect and be grateful for those experiences that you had to go through. Remember that nothing is wasted, guys. Whether this experience was for you to kind of heal and balance karma in your life with some of the soul contracts and agreements that you may have had throughout your lifetime, um, look at it as whatever experience, whatever loss you've had to go through, now you're able to have the skills and the life lessons to help someone else in their time of need, okay? If you would like to contact me, you can go to our Healing Center's website, www.elisehealingcenter.com, or find us on Facebook at Elise Spiritual Healing and Wellness Center. If you have any life questions, then send them to askdrelise at gmail.com, and I will answer them via video response on our YouTube channel. Share out this episode to family, friends, colleagues, and coworkers. If you are interested in learning about your life intuitively, then subscribe to my YouTube channel, Arizona Elise, to get your monthly intuitive reading and intuitive career and money abundance reading by birth sign. If you are interested in learning about your life from an astrological perspective, then subscribe to my YouTube channel, Astro Elise, to get your monthly historic forecast by birth sign, weekly reading and insights spiritual knowledge, and so much more. Join us every first and third Wednesdays of the month at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the next episode, we will have another special guest with us. Stay tuned. Please be sure to look for that information on our Elise Intuition Radio Show page, or you can go to our Facebook page, Elise Spiritual Healing and Wellness Center and look in our events or look on our posts and look for the next episode information, but you can tune in at the same location. You can call in using the same number of 929-477-3973. This is an episode that you don't want to miss. Have a great week. I love you guys, and I'll see you back here next time. Remember, you are loved, you are valued, and you are competent. You've been listening to the Elise Intuition Radio Show, hosted by Dr. Elise Holland. 
This hit show comes to you live at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. Each show is empowering you to transform your life by connecting with your higher self through intuition, meditation, and mindfulness in all areas of your life. If you've missed any part of this show or want to find out more about Dr. Elise, visit EliseHealingCenter.com. That's EliseHealingCenter.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.